Donna Modine. And this is Hannah Overby. And we want to welcome you to the Razor Standard podcast. Um, today, we have a super awesome, amazing, special guest joining us. I, Autumn, do you want to introduce our guest for the day? Of course. Yes. So we have Russell on the podcast. So you guys might have seen his name before. He actually does our audio, which by the grace of God still allows us to send him audio and he does his magic. And I don't know what he does exactly, but he'll tell us about it today. Um, but we met through Vive and became really good friends and had a very solid group. And then I moved back to Minnesota for a brief time and he moved away. Um, so we yeah, left Hannah stranded. Then everybody <laughs> left me. This is. <laughs> um, oh. But without further ado, we'll let Russell give a little bit more detail about himself since he knows himself best. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Russell. So uh, I was originally from California. Um, met these two wonderful ladies at Vive and. Um, after some time of just like living in the Bay area and kind of getting sick of everything, uh, wanted a a new adventure and ended up moving out to Idaho, um, to start at a new company and just kind of start things fresh. Yeah. And one, um, fun fact about Russell and, or the Bay is I feel like moving here, I like you don't meet that many people who are actually like Bay Area natives. So meeting Russell and having him like having grown up here and having like a school like stories from high school about like different places we were currently at, I think was super duper cool um, and just like different than a lot of people you normally encounter out here. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other like cool facts about you we can give the audience. For those who don't know, he has like the most amazing beard you have ever seen. Um, like, <laughs> like I'm not kidding. It's very luscious. Um, absolutely wonderful. I also technically, technically, technically met Russell when I was an intern out here um, one summer. We went to the same Fourth of July party, although I think he said like two words to me. Um, so that's not when we became <laughs> totally friends, that. but I definitely, but I definitely remember it and being like, Oh, like he's, he seems cool. Um, so I've known him, I think a little like, you know, technically a few more years, um, than autumn, but you know, whatever. Okay. So I think we have, you know, some questions you just told us a little bit about yourself or how you know us. Um, so can you tell us like, what, what do you do, Russell? What is your job? Yeah. So I currently work in neurosurgical robotics, um, which it would make the most sense, I think, if I gave my my background on like how I got to that. Um, yes. <laughs> so basically, I was in high school, then in college, and my whole dream was to be a physical therapist growing up, um, mostly because I was an athlete and um, ended up having to get knee surgery and then get physical therapy for months. Um, so I really like that environment and I had a really great uh, physical therapist and, um, decided that's what I want to do for my career. Um, so I did all my hours, um, of working in the clinics and the hospitals, um, did all my classes, ended up adding on a second major of psychology, um, because I had to take so many psych classes, um, majored in my other major was biology, um, for all the anatomy physiology classes I had to take. Um, and then I applied to 10 schools, eight of which were in California. Um, didn't really know 
what else was out there. I was a little scared to move away from home. Just wanted to kind of be near family. Um, and then ended up getting one interview out of the 10 schools. And then I got put on the wait list and didn't end up getting in. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. So I figured I'd just try again um, the next year. In the meantime, just try to work as a physical therapy aide. So I applied for all these jobs straight out of college um, and ended up not hearing back from like probably over 200 applications. And then all of a sudden I got a response back from a, I think it was a pediatric clinic receptionist job. Um, And there was a, like the, the practice doctor uh, who, 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 owned, who owned the practice um, emailed me back and he said, hey, uh, I saw your application and I think you're a little overqualified for this job. Um, would you be interested in working in like a movement disorders lab? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, what are the details? And he said, well, my daughter works over at Stanford Hospital um, in this lab. Um, is it okay if I forward your resume over? So I said, yeah, absolutely. And ended up going there for an interview, um, that went pretty well. And, um, I hadn't heard back for a while and actually ended up accepting another job, um, doing, uh, like working in the operating room, um, kind of cleaning blood to, like from surgery to go back in the patient, just it's, it's like a, it's called a cell saver. Um, I don't know too much about it because I was literally there for two days, called in sick on my second day of work to go back for a second interview at Stanford and then ended up getting the offer that night. So I quit on my third day of work, <laughs> which was awful. I feel terrible about it, but um, did what I had to do. Um, Cause I mean, it was just such a great opportunity at Stanford and, um, really opened the door uh, to what I'm in now. So I worked in the movement disorders clinic. So what that means is I was working with um, Parkinson's disease and um, other movement disorders, but mainly Parkinson's. So I was working in the clinic and also the OR. So they get this surgery called deep brain stimulation where uh, the surgeon will insert these electrical leads into their brain um, and will stimulate a certain area of the brain um, that helps alleviate their symptoms. So some of their symptoms are like tremor or um, freezing of gait, uh, speech issues, that kind of stuff. So um, I worked there for three years, um, spending a lot of time in the OR and ended up meeting this um, rep from a medical device company um, and he was running the software of the robot that assisted in uh, placing those electrical leads. And it turned out that he was um, kind of moving up in the company to management and he was looking for someone to take his spot. And he had seen me in action in the OR. He knew that I knew all the staff. I worked well with the surgeon and asked if I would uh, be interested in replacing him. Um, 
So thought about it a lot and I knew it was going to mean a little bit more travel, but um, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of branch out and move up because I was kind of plateaued at my job at Stanford after those three years. So I ended up accepting that role. Um, and that's what got me into the robotic world. So I worked with them for just a couple months before we got, um, an announcement within the company that we were getting acquired by basically the biggest medical device company out there. Um, so I started with this small little company, this little robotic company, and then suddenly we're part of the biggest medical device company. Um, and uh, I, I did like that company, and um, they, they treated us pretty well. Um, I learned a lot. Um, they also got me trained um, not only in brain surgery, but also in spine surgery. So um, I... In, in the meantime, I was also looking at my life and um, as one figuring, does. I'm sorry? I said, as one does. Yeah. And I just, I figured like, what do I want to do with my life? Um, I don't think I want to stay here in the Bay Area for my whole life. Like the culture is a little bit different there to where work is kind of a priority and there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I'm also getting a little bit older and like wanting to start a family, buy a house, uh, have kids eventually, those kind of things. And I didn't really see that happening in, in California, uh, just because it's so expensive and just a different culture. So I started asking my company if they would be willing to transfer me out of state, um, and that was a kind of a challenge for them because um, I had a pretty key role at, at Stanford um, and other accounts within the Bay Area. And it was going to be really hard to backfill me because, um, I mean, you don't really know that many robotic trained medical device reps. <laughs> so it's really specialized and they're having a hard time backfilling me. So, um I kind of got almost let on for months and months and then ended up giving up trying to transfer within the company and just started applying for different companies. Um, wasn't really hearing back from anyone and then ended up messaging um, a manager from a robotics company on LinkedIn. Um, they got back to me and said, I'm going to forward your information over to the West coast manager um, and we'll be in touch and then ended up interviewing and, um, they offered me basically the territory of Northern Idaho and Eastern Washington. So, um, I had never been there, so I got my offer and then immediately flew out to check it out and saw the housing prices and, um, really liked it out there. It seemed uh, really outdoorsy. There's a ton of lakes and hiking. And I thought that it might be a, a nice change from the, the fast pace of the Bay Area. So that's that's pretty much my whole backstory on how I got into my career. Wow. Okay. Wait, there's a lot of questions that I've had. 
sure, popping yeah. up in my head. What is OR? I feel like there's so many acronyms thrown around in workplaces, but <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what OR Sorry, is. Sorry, yeah, operating room. Operating room. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Nice. So in terms of Idaho to California, what have been, I guess, to, okay, no. Before I jump into that, I'm curious about this reaching out to the manager. So you decided, hey, I really want a job within this company. I'm just going to message someone and see if there's jobs available or how did that work? Yeah, basically it was our direct competitor. So it was a little sketchy on my part, (laughs) but um, I, I just looked through like the company's page and um, tried to find some kind of manager. Uh, I didn't really know that they were um, not the West coast manager, but um, I think they were a manager of like, I think they were based in Denver area. And that was like one of the places where I was interested in moving. So um, that's why I messaged her and um, yeah. What did you say? I hey, just I'm said, for a job. hey, this is all my experience. I'm <laughs> looking to get out of the, the Bay Area in California. I'm looking to move somewhere cheaper. Um, I have all this experience. I think I would be a great fit for your company. Uh, just let me know what you think. And turns out um, they're, they're more of like a, a spine surgery company. Mm-hmm. And they're actually expanding into the brain world. And having both under my belt was... Uh, kind of the key factor of getting my offer. I just appreciate for a second the fact that you literally work on brain and spine surgeries. Like yeah, every single time crazy. you tell the story or say like what you do, I just want to want to circle back to that <laughs> that fact. I feel like you gloss over like, oh yeah, like I just operate medical devices, like no big deal. Um, but for context, you're like actually in the operating room or like very close to like where these surgeries are happening, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll give a little more uh, detail on like what it is I actually do with the robot. So basically I'm, I'm running the software um, and there's a couple of steps that have to happen during the surgery. So first we have to have a like an image of the patient. So uh, it's usually a like pre-op CT. Um, so we'll see the whole working area that we want to be in. Um, and we're usually working from like the posterior side. So, so from the back, they're laying on their stomach during the surgery and we will place screws at each vertebral body, um, one on each side. And it's helping with stability, um, and alleviating pain and other symptoms. So, we're putting those screws in, um, depending on what their symptoms are and where. Um, and what our robot does is after we have that image and those screws planned on the, the image, we'll take another image during the surgery, basically fuse that image to our pre-op CT and that will let our robot know, basically, our patient is right here in space. This is where our robot needs to go in order to get in the perfect position for those screws. So the robotic arm will be moved on top of the patient, and then it'll uh, we'll hit a foot pedal, and it'll move into that exact trajectory. Um, 
where the surgeon can drop his tools directly into the um, spine. So um, usually starts with like a knife to cut through the skin. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is too gross I'm, for you guys. But. No, you keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, for the benefit of those listening to this, since this is a podcast, Autumn and I are making faces, not because we don't think this is absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Because <laughs> like I'm, it is honestly numb to it. Sorry, it's honestly <laughs> really cool. No, I want you to keep going. Um, but also like this is so outside of what I ever do during a day. So the fact you're so calmly describing it, I'm just like oof. Like that, you just, have to be calm with this stuff, though. Yeah, I'm know? glad you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would not do well with this. <laughs> it, it's it's a really tense situation too, and like. The surgeon obviously cares about the patient, so they're going to do everything in their power to make sure everything goes right and safely. And a lot of the time that will uh, lead to a lot of swearing and yelling at everyone in the OR. So I constantly get yelled at at my job and it's mm. it's fine because I know it's like in the patient's best interest and they're trying to do it as quickly as possible too. So, But anyways, yeah, so we'll put the knife down, um, basically a, a tube at the end of the arm. Um, we'll drill into the spine and then we'll place the screw essentially. So, um, we do that as many levels as we need. And then we attach the screws with a rod for stability. Nice. Okay. Question. I've not, I don't think I've actually seen Grey's Anatomy, but what is the description? <laughs> <laughs> you know how like people ask lawyers, like, what is it? Like, law, is it like law and order? And they're like, absolutely not. So is it like Grey's Anatomy or not? Um, not not really. There's not that much drama. No one's talking about their You just said life. you got yelled at all the time. Well, like, no yeah, like, like relationship drama or that kind of stuff. Okay, Grey's Anatomy okay. is just like all relationship drama. There's yeah. this is very different. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And it's it's surgeon to surgeon too. So like some of them will have like music playing and it'll be super chill. And others it'll be like silent and like they're in a bad mood. They didn't get sleep last night. And they better get sleep if just, they're operating you know on the brain. Yeah. You know you're <laughs> just well, some of them are like on call and stuff, or like they were operating the the night before, super late. How long do these surgeries normally last? Uh, it depends on the surgery and what they're doing, but um, usually anywhere from like three to like eight hours. Wow, jeez! So to clarify, your role is to make sure the robot does its job. Yeah, so I'm running the software. Um, helping like our x-ray tech get our images properly. I'm always there for troubleshooting in case we have like any kind of like software issues. Um, also just helping our scrub tech, which is the one like at the back table, putting all the instruments together, uh, making sure they're putting everything together right if they have any questions. Um, wow. The hardest part for me is kind of, we're supposed to teach a certain technique to the surgeon on like how to use our equipment um, so, I mean, they've been trained their whole career and just nobody off the street is basically telling them, oh, and this, this is how you, this is how you do it. This is how you drill or whatever. And <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have with someone so incredibly smart. Okay. So we know you, your day job is brain surgery and spine surgery. Incredible. 
amazing. But outside of that, you also have many other hats. Do you want to tell us about those? Yeah. So one of my biggest hobbies and passions is music. So um, I'm a musician on the side and I've been writing and recording music since I was pretty much in like seventh grade. Um, Started with electric guitar for a short amount of time. Ended up kind of switching to acoustic, did like singer-songwriter kind of stuff in high school. Um, And then in college, I started like learning bass and um, a little bit of drums, started seeing more um, and just started kind of recording music as kind of like an outlet for me. So just like a way to express myself because I'm I'm more of like an introvert and it's it's a nice way to just express myself or get emotions kind of out so um yeah and your Bronner you help us with our audio podcasting situation you do it all man you do it all. <laughs> he also has albums on Spotify. So when he says he yeah. sings music, it's not like a casual. He's like, legit at home. Like <laughs> you can go, go like Idol. look him up. Yeah, you can go on American Idol or like The Voice or something like that. <laughs> I'm definitely not that good, but I definitely have a fun oh. time making music. Yeah, no, he's good. He's being humble. Um, okay. I'm actually curious for the benefit of Hannah and I how you edit our <laughs> recording. Every week or things every we other probably week. should things we probably I should just, know but don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. When he had us do it that one time, I was like, "This is providing even more gratitude for us all." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not that bad, but it might come down to just having like I don't know, ten years of experience working in uh, my software. <laughs> but um, so I'll load the, the different tracks and. Um, Basically, I have to slice when, whenever um, we're starting, or I'll try to slice out different parts of the audio where, um, like, you could hear some kind of background noise. Usually, um, it's probably Macy making some sort of noise. Yeah, or that me, kind of, as uh, she just uh, did. <laughs> or just like when, like, someone's talking too close to the mic and it like makes a <laughs> low pitch noise, or Oops. Uh, yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> And then when someone's talking, I'll usually try to like fade it out. So um, it's usually like a little bit of noise after people are done talking. Um, and then I'll also EQ, equalize the, I guess, I was going to say vocals just because I'm so used to that, but it's not vocals, but technically. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll EQ it. I'll take a lot of the lows out just so we don't have a lot of that like booming Um and then I'll also just kind of uh, what's called an EQ sweep. So I'll um, basically raise up the frequency at a, a certain frequency, listen for um, like basically screeching and then um, cut that frequency out. So it just gets a lot more clear. Um, and then the next thing I'll do is I'll put a compressor on. Um, so it'll basically Anytime you're talking too loud, it'll kind of lower it down. Anytime you're talking too quiet, it'll raise it up. So it's more of just like a flat um, audio, but still a little bit dynamic. Um, And then the last thing I'll do is 
just put it through like an online mastering software just to make the audio louder um, and a little bit more crisp and, and clear. Casual, you know, none of this is that hard. You just go through like seven, eight, nine, ten steps with <laughs> words and acronyms we know nothing about. And then you're like, oh, of course, guys, it just takes a couple minutes. I, yeah, like, I honestly. Yeah, it's just so cool, though, that you know how to do this and know what all of it means. And you like have those steps and, you know, okay, like I need to, you know, like equalize their audio and I need to cut things here and put in space here and make sure, you know, I'm not like I'm not yelling or whatever. I think that that's just a phenomenal skill to have generally. And it's so cool. And like we are honestly always so grateful for you that you, you know, are willing to do that for our podcast because. Yeah, of course. I'm sure Autumn could learn how to do everything. Um, I don't know if I could, but it's just beyond my skill set at the current moment. At the current moment, yes. Growth, Growth mindset. mindset. It. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, so you were talking a little bit before about how you transitioned out to Idaho And that's actually what I was going to ask you before. How has that transition been for you? And then just finding friends, connecting to a new church, all of that. Curious to learn more about. Also, what are like some key cultural differences between Idaho and the Bay Area? I've never been to Idaho, so I don't actually know what it's like out there. So I'd love to know. Yeah, totally. So I moved out here, I think, at the end of October of 2020. Um and it was a little little rough at first. Um, didn't really know anyone. Um, I tried going to a couple of different churches. wasn't really like wasn't like fully connecting. Didn't really meet anyone. I would like I would wait after service for like maybe fifteen minutes and like try to talk to people and just wasn't really connecting. And then um, I was on Instagram and noticed that one of my friends from college was like in Idaho and I'm like, or like had moved there a long time ago and ended up messaging them. And I'm like, Hey, I I see you're in Idaho. Like what part are you in? And then she ended up being in exactly the same town that I was in. So, um, she was also kind of looking for a church. Um, she had been going online because of COVID and didn't really have a community or know anyone really. So um, this was about Christmas time. And she had heard of basically a, like a white elephant gift exchange um, at someone's house. Um, And she didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone, but we ended up going, uh, meeting a great group of people and getting connected. Um, So I started going to that church and, um, now we all go to the same service and we're on a WhatsApp chat and we've, we've been basically hanging out every, every Sunday, um, after church. And, um, I met, uh, another guy that I've been working out with and, uh, just been hanging out with playing video games, that kind of stuff. So, um, took a little bit of time, but I definitely found a great community. And, um, I think if it wasn't for being like in church, it would have been really hard because like, I don't really know how else to meet people. Especially um, in Idaho. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the culture is definitely different here. Um, 
like coming from one extreme to the other, like in terms of COVID, like California was super locked down and like a lot of people were like scared to leave their house. And then I flew out to um, Idaho when I got my offer and I'm like all wearing my mask and stuff and like walking around downtown and like, everyone's like looking at me all weird. Like no one's wearing their mask. They're all just like at restaurants and like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like there are a lot less people, um, like literally like a 10th of the people like in from town to town that I moved. So, um, it's definitely different. Um, a lot of conservatives. Um, it's not very diverse. Um, and people are very outdoorsy and like into hunting, fishing, um, stuff I've never really done. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I went fishing as a kid, but that's about it. So the people are definitely different here. And um, I'm kind of adjusting to how, how different it is. Dang. I feel like, I feel like that would be really hard too, especially kind of culture shock almost. Yeah. Um, Cause even when I came back from California to Minnesota, it just, it took a little bit to get used to kind of the day to day of things. And even from here to Chicago, for example, that has way more people, it's completely different. And mm-hmm. I think comfort levels have been very, uh, very different across uh, the different States. So that's uh an interesting point and would you say now you're kind of in the mode of feeling more settled and actually starting life there yeah um so i'm getting deeper into my job um getting kind of prepared to be working around this area Uh, i've been traveling a lot um to other states just to get like fully trained on this new robot and new software and by the time I'm like independent and competent on this new software and robot. Um, I'll be working more around this area, but yeah, having my church community has been great and I'm starting to learn all the roads and everything and not need my GPS to get around. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of understanding like the culture here. Um, It's actually kind of funny. Like people will immediately ask you like, how long have you been here as soon as you meet them? Cause like they absolutely hate Californians. Cause there's so many of us that are moving there. Um, mostly not because like who we are as people, just cause like um, we're pretty drastically raising their housing prices. Cause like, this is, this is like a pretty small town area money. Yeah. Like people are working remotely from like Google and Facebook and stuff. So like they obviously have a lot more, uh, money to to work with and buying a house and a lot of people are just getting bought out with like cash offers like above asking for houses and it's really frustrating mm-hmm. a lot of the locals hmm. wow i feel that would be the major draw i think for idaho would be the housing prices and i actually drove through idaho on my road trip back from california and i was surprised by how beautiful it was it's yeah, absolutely it's gorgeous so mm-hmm. Love that. Hannah, do you have any fun questions for Russell? Ooh, uh, fun questions. Or fun for differences you've noticed between Midwesterns and Californians since he was our 
main Californian friend. Yeah, you are. That's like I mentioned at the top of the podcast. Russell is one of the few people I know who's like OG California, yeah. like born and raised here. Yeah, him and Audrey. See, here's the thing is I'm trying to think of like actual differences, but Russell, you're just like such a calming, chill, like cool human being. It's really like finding actual differences. I'd be like, this is like a Californian difference is I think like pretty hard. Um, I don't know, Russell, what would you say? Like, I guess, I guess you've interacted with us for the past like couple years. What would you say differences between Midwest and California coming from you as opposed to coming from us? Uh, I mean, like being in California. He's like, I got a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And people coming from other states and stuff is like, oh, cool. Like, where are you from? And like, what do you do? And I'm like interested in getting to know like what your life is like. And then um, it's like so different here where people aren't really interested in your different culture. It's just like, get out. We don't want you here. It's It's too crowded already. Yeah, I think California is a very welcoming place, especially for people who aren't necessarily from California. People just kind of accept everyone. So yeah. that'd be hard having that adjustment. But I would say there's a couple things that I'm thinking of. I think people are a lot more active in California. Naturally, they just grow mm-hmm. up active, grow up hiking, grow up eating a lot healthier than Midwesterns. <laughs> um, and then... Two, I would say one of the first things I picked up on there was people were not as into sports as Midwesterners were in terms of football Sundays and kind of having that, like going to high school football games on the weekends. And Mm -hmm. I think between sports and bonfires and those sorts of things, those are big cultural Midwestern pieces of my childhood, at least. (laughs) Wait, okay. I this is a caveat because um, what you were saying about people in Idaho made me remember something people sometimes call people from Illinois. Autumn, are you familiar with the term FIP? F I P? No, I haven't heard no. that. Um, so sometimes when people from Illinois like aren't necessarily liked by other people, um, they're called FIPS. Um, for those uh, freaking Illinois people. Um, and it says on Urban Dictionary, um, usually upper middle class rich folks from Chicago who infest every bit of nice land throughout the Midwest with their big egos, personalized license plates, and undisciplined snotty children. <laughs> oh, my god! Often confused and believe that local laws don't apply to them, usually drive like they're still in the city. That's Chicago. Um, and totally disregard others on the road. <laughs> And that just, I just want to say, if people aren't liking people from California, it's still, the same thing still happens wherever you go. Um, There are FIPS out there too that no one likes for investing the Midwest, (laughs) but that just made me remember that that was actually like a term I've heard before. That's pretty funny. Investing. Oh my gosh. That's funny. That's a good one. I like it. (laughs) It's not a good one. We don't, it's not nice, (laughs) but it's funny. (laughs) I went to use it myself. It is funny, but we speak life here on this podcast. And so yes, don't go yes, call yes, anyone a FIP. And if someone moves to your not. small town from California, be nice to them. Yeah, they just want yeah. friends. Find, uh, find a better life. Just out there to find a better life. <laughs> okay. With that, do you have a quote, scripture, or any takeaways for us, Russell? Yeah. I mean, uh, my favorite scripture is Romans 12.2. Um, 
specifically like the first part of it is do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, so when I was in like high school youth group, they made us like memorize this every single, um, I think it was Sunday, Sunday night. Um, and I got like so sick of it. I'm like, why are we like repeating this so many times? Like I got it. Like I got it memorized. And then like, it wasn't until like a little bit older where, um, I realized like what the true meaning of it was and like how applicable it is to our lives. And, um, like there's, there's a lot of like bad things out in this world. And, um, I think we're, we're kind of called higher, um, as Christians, um, to not conform and, um, just be transformed by, um, God's will for us. Love it. That's awesome. And then any takeaways that you might have? Yeah. Um, kind of going back to just like how I got into my career, like don't, don't be worried about what you're going to do with your life. And, um, it's, it's kind of out of your hands. Like I had no idea what, like I was going to get to this point where I am today. Like I had it all planned out for myself. Um, and obviously God had other plans and like truly it was better than I could have ever imagined. So Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. God will orchestrate it and it'll, it'll be better than you can imagine. Yeah. And I think just one thing to add there, like Myra said last week, rejection can be protection. And I think yeah. that just applies, especially to your scenario with physical th- therapy. So. Yeah, totally true. Um, and next takeaway, I guess, would be like, go where you feel God calling you to go. Um, like this was such a like big and scary step for me to move out of state. Cause like, I have no family here. I had literally one friend that I didn't even know about. Um, it was like, it was, it was a tough situation um, to leave everything I had grown up with. But I mean, like so far it's been really great. And like um, pretty soon I'm going to be buying a house here and hopefully finding a, a wife and <laughs> starting all those plans that I had wanted to start. So yeah. If you are Man interested in wrestle, let us know. <laughs> he can do brain surgery. He can sing. He can yeah, do he podcast can recording audio. He can do a song. He'll fix your audio. <laughs> he lives in Idaho. What yeah. more could you want? And then yeah. uh, final takeaway. Um, I would say find time for a creative outlet. Because um, like, it, it really helps having a way to express myself. Um, and just kind of process my emotions and everyone does it a little bit differently, but just for me, it's, it's through music and songwriting and like a lot of the songs that are right. Like I never even show people and it's just kind of for me to, to process everything. So like, don't, don't, don't just work and get stressed out, but like find time to do things that make you happier, um, that are good for your mental health. Definitely. That's great advice. Thank you, Russell. And with that, any final thoughts, Hannah, before we close? No, this is awesome. Um, I just yeah. like love all those key takeaways. I think a lot of them are, you know, easier said than done. But if you can really like internalize it and act on it, like your life is going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
So with that, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. You can follow us on all of the podcasting platforms. And we also have Instagram. So that's at Raise Your Standards Podcast. And then feel free to follow our personal accounts at Adam Dean and at Hannah underscore Overby. And lastly, Russell's is Mendoza Russell. Is that correct, Russell? Yep. Okay. So M-E-N-D-O-N-C-A is the last name. I always, yeah. yeah. I always, I always, I always mess up. (laughs) I always mess that one up. Um, But also go follow his music as well. You can find him on Spotify. I don't know if you can find you on anywhere else, but it's pretty good at. So I would, yeah. We'll put it in our show notes. We'll put it in our show notes so you guys can easily find it. So with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit more about how to raise your standards.